All right, and I think we're live. Happy Thursday, everybody. And uh, let's get into the news. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, where's Valeria? She said, you said she was going to be here today. She is working again today. I think somebody said they're going to unsub unless Valeria's back. You might, you might have to unsub. <laughs> uh, 99.9% .9 chance she'll be back tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah. She's gone. I can't. I can't do anything about it. She's on a, on a TV set, doing her TV set duties, and uh, I don't. I don't get her here. I don't get her here. But uh, we do have a lot of fascinating stories. Um, attempts to take away our Second Amendment rights. Uh, we have uh, Joe Biden flailing in a press conference. I mean, he did. He did pretty good in the sense that he didn't look like a doddering old man. But I think there are reasons for that, which we all know. But let's go ahead and get into it anyway. Um, all right, so let me just read the first headline, shall we? Oh, oh, somebody wrote, somebody wrote intro. So I guess I'd better do that. Hold on one second. Let's get this intro going. Toxic masculinity. All right, there we go. The intro. I think there's an echo on that intro. Should I try it again? Let's see. Toxic masculinity. There. Is that better? I think that's better. Okay. All right. So the first story is simply about the Biden press conference. And I wanted to read the New York Post's uh, observations about this because I think that they were, um, they were very astute. So the first article is New York Post blasts reporters on the Biden press conference suck up. Biden press conference suck up. So let's have a look. <clears throat> Reporters suck up to nice guy Biden, it says here. Uh, hold on, let me let me switch over to the other view so you guys can read this article along with me if you'd like. Uh, Reporters suck up to nice guy Biden. This was this is I mean I mean it was ridiculous. I'm sure you guys saw part of this, if not uh, if not the whole thing. You probably saw clips, but. Uh, <clears throat> They've written, this is from the uh, New York Post editorial board, and they've written this very well. It's very well written. Um, it's not the most popular sport, but there it was. Television networks giving up afternoon airtime to a softball match. <laughs> Stonewalled for 65 days by President Biden, reporters decided that their first opportunity to question him should be used to let him monologue on his favorite topics. The Associated Press kicked things off by suggesting Republicans were obstructionists, how is Biden going to get around that? <laughs> there were a number of questions about the filibuster, with the media basically begging the president to get rid of it. These weren't inquiries. It was activism. Another question paraphrased. Uh, the New York Post is paraphrasing here. They've written uh, the question as, Republicans want to pass new election laws. Would you like to tell us how terrible that is? <laughs> I love how they've written this article. It's great. Um, one reporter... Uh, I think it's Yamichi Alcinder of PBS, asked a question about the border premised on the idea that you're a nice guy. And actually, I, I, I uh, have been able to find this in another article. Let's go ahead and... Well, hold on a second. Uh, I need to turn the audio on here. Give me one second. Oh, hold on. The Again, the least professional show on... YouTube. 
you've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? And how are you choosing which families can stay and which can, can go, given the fact that even though with Title 42, there are some families that are staying? You're a decent man. You're a decent man. That's why people are coming over, because you're a decent man. And we all know it. I mean, it's <laughs> the framing of these questions is, of course, ridiculous. Could you imagine them saying something like that to Trump? Not in a gazillion years. You know, the question would be like completely opposite. How do you live with having such a dark soul, Donald Trump? Be stuff like that. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, the post continues. It's shocking how the bar has been set, or yeah, how low the bar has been set for President Biden. He seems confused going from questioner to questioner, rambling to the point where he finally said, uh, exhausted, he said, uh, anyway... Biden was mostly monotone until weirdly hitting his old stump speech when he suddenly raised his voice. Oh no, oh no, you gotta be kidding. Here you go. That'll shut him up for a little while. Uh, and some of his lines makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Uh, also, I have no idea if there will be a Republican Party in four years. And uh, come on, man. <laughs> they don't really make a lot of sense. Uh, it's hold on a second. Hold on a second. Right, I apologize for that. The cat has been dealt with. What that means, I'll let you guess. <laughs> All right. He said he's putting one foot in front of the other. He's focused every day on putting one foot in front of the other. And, uh, and in response to that, the New York Post has said, dream big, man. <laughs> That's probably not what you should be focused on as President of the United States. Where's Jim Acosta yelling and interrupting? Yeah, for real. Where's J Jim Acosta? Come on, I thought that was your job to harass the President of the United States of America. Go for it, man. All right. Biden started off with a whopper saying the United States has performed better than any country in the world when it comes to vaccines, as if Israel doesn't exist. He bragged about 200 million shots in 100 days, twice my original goal, he said. Not acknowledging that the nation was already on pace to more than meet the goal when he took office. Nearly half of K-8 through students are back in in-person learning, but that's because of Republican governors, not federal policy. Biden has put no pressure on the teachers' unions, which is a huge problem. Teachers' unions are the worst. I just want to say that. I, I hate them. I want them all dismantled. Okay. The discussion of the border that dominated the press conference was pure malarkey, as Biden likes to say. Uh, Biden took no responsibility, pretending it was a perennial problem. Yet... Trump's remain in Mexico policy, right, actually solved the issue, and Biden threw that out on day one. In fact, it wasn't really just his remain in Mexico policy. It was a lot of different policies that Trump had implemented that Biden, Biden threw them all out. 
because he's a moron. Well, okay, let's be honest. Biden didn't do anything. Biden just signed a bunch of documents that other people wrote up for him to sign. Um, but who, whoever's in charge, they, they really messed up the whole border situation. Okay. Biden's other answers tried to have it both ways. But let me just read the comments real quick just to make sure that uh, there's nothing wrong here. Yeah, we good? We good? Okay. Just, just making sure that you guys can hear me and everything's all good. Okay, I think we're okay. All right, let's see here. Uh, Biden's other answers tried to have it both ways. No, we won't be deporting poor, desperate people. Yes, we're not letting most people in. Well, which is it? But it didn't matter to reporters who were, the, who were only interested in how people could be processed and let in faster not anything about border security. Pull out of Afghanistan? Punt. Where's your North Korea red line? Punt. China? Let me tell you a long, long story. <laughs> Barely any news was made, and when it was, it was contradictory. Biden said he's running for re-election, re but then he backtracked. That's his expectation. There were no real changes in policy uh, for the crisis at the border, for encouraging the economy after COVID, for getting kids back into school. He said he was in it to create jobs, but no one asked about his cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline or restrictive regulations, nor did the president dare call on any reporters who might ask truly tough questions. The fundamental problem is getting people some peace of mind, Biden said. Well, this press conference did nothing to help. And I think one of the critical things here is this line here. Nor did the president dare call on any reporters who might ask truly tough questions. And a lot of people are talking about that as the real takeaway from this press conference, a lot of people think that Biden was given the questions ahead of time or that there was some kind of conspiracy between the Biden administration and the reporters that were called upon. Um, and either they knew what the questions were going to be or they gave reporters questions to ask specifically that Biden had been um, briefed on ahead of time so that they could come up with you know, the best possible phrasing, the best possible answer, and then coach Biden on that so that the press conference looked uh, somewhat decent, uh, like he was somewhat cognitive and, you know, with it and, and could respond uh, uh, quickly. And it, it looked like it was off the top of his head when in, in reality it was rehearsed. So that's the speculation a lot of people have on Twitter right now. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's true. That seems that seems totally possible. Um, I <laughs> Look, uh we all know Biden's not in charge. We all know that the press doesn't seem to want to, to uh, press him on anything uh, too harshly. You know, they want to make it seem like he's uh, he's a really strong and great president, a really nice guy. Um, <laughs> but you know, there there are you know, it's a devastating presidency so far. You know, the administration doesn't either doesn't seem to know what they're doing or they're perfectly willing to do things that make the country a worse place uh, reduce the quality of life reduce our uh, financial prosperity um you know increase crime crime has increased incredibly uh, uh because of a lot of like the activist uh, district attorneys stuff like that recently the left seems perfectly okay with reducing quality of life in America. And it should be America first. Uh, the, you know, it's kind of a shame to some degree that uh, that Donald Trump was so strongly America first uh, because the left hates Donald Trump so much that they seem willing 
to oppose literally anything that he says, any policy he has, anything. doesn't matter how effective his policies are. doesn't matter how sensible his philosophy is. If he has that philosophy, if he puts in place those policies, the Democrats will oppose them, which is completely crazy. I mean, America first should be a nonpartisan position. <laughs> you know, If you're a politician, your constituency, if you're in the federal government, your constituency is America, right? And you've got to put your constituency first, and therefore, uh, you know, you should be, uh, you should be um, trying to put those constituents first. You should be putting the American people first uh, above the rest of the world. And they're just not. I mean, Democrats are just, I don't understand Democrats. I mean, I do. I think they're all corrupt, and they're all horrible, and they're all liars. Uh, but uh, yeah, people keep voting for them. I don't understand the Democrat voters. I don't understand how you can be that gullible and not understand that Democrats are criminals. But I digress. Let us move on to the second story, which is also about the press conference. Uh, Let's see here. Biden claims that Trump let children starve to death. So that's that's real. That's what he said in the press conference. He said that, that Donald Trump let children starve to death. This didn't happen. I, I've never heard of this. This was just something he just made up off the top of his head. So let's have a look. This is from Gateway Pundit. Uh, we're going to play the video here in a second. Uh, Joe Biden says he won't let children starve to death at the border like Trump did. Uh, one of Joe Biden's first press conferences since inauguration was littered with lies and confusion. True. Um, one of the most hateful and dishonest remarks he made was that his predecessor, Donald Trump, was starving children at the border inside Mexico. Of course, the media did not push back on anything Joe Biden said. Uh, and did not confront him on the release of hundreds of COVID patients at the border or his obvious dementia. But so here's the thing, right? Um, so when this kind of stuff happens, right? When Joe Biden um, makes statements like this, that, uh, you know, that Trump murdered lots of children through starvation, right? Not only does the media not push back, what tends to happen, what I've seen happen in the past, is that the media will actually try, well, some people in the media will actually try to justify these comments. They will try to find some way of making it sound right, and they'll create reports that indicate that it's true somehow, right? They'll say, oh, well, you know, this or that or that or this convoluted logic, or let me confuse you here, and then, you know, say, so what Joe Biden said was actually totally legitimate, even though, of course, it isn't. Um, but let's go ahead and have a look at that video. I'd like to circle back to immigration, please. Uh, you, you just listed the reasons that people are coming, uh, talking about in-country problems, saying that it happens every year. You blamed the last administration. Sir, I just got back last night from a reporting trip to the border where I met nine-year-old Jose, who walked here from Honduras by himself. Uh, along with another little boy. He had that phone number on him, and we were able to call his family. His mother says that she sent her son to this country because she believes that you are not deporting unaccompanied minors like her son. That's why she sent him alone from Honduras. So, sir, you blame the last administration, but is your messaging and saying that these children are and will be allowed to stay in this country and work their way through this process encouraging families like Joe says, to come. Well, look, 
the idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, that if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's why I've asked the Vice President of the United States yesterday to be the lead person on dealing with focusing on the fundamental reasons why people leave Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador in the first place. Okay, so that was, of course, a non sequitur. He's saying, he's saying, uh, her, her question was great, right? Her question actually made, made a lot of sense. Um, and it's something a lot of people have been talking about. Um, Republicans are accusing Biden of this. We all know it's true, of course. And these leftist reporters are starting to figure it out, too, that despite the fact that his policies seem to be, you know, you know, from the, from the leftist mindset, they seem to be very uh, generous and sympathetic and kind. They're actually, because they're so, they're, they're presenting this such a positive um, uh, idea about immigration, they are sending the message to potential illegal immigrants that it is a good, you know, that you should send your, your kids up here, you should try to illegally cross the border because we will take care of you. Right? That's the message that people are getting in S Central America. And um, so the question is totally legitimate, right? Are your policies, are, is your rhetoric encouraging people to come up here? Um, but he, of course, completely sidesteps it. But then he says such a bizarre thing. Of course, at the end, he then says, and that's why I got Kamala Harris uh, in charge of this whole thing. That, well, that's completely irrelevant to the question as well, right? Uh, you know, that's what we call a non sequitur. It doesn't, it, does, it doesn't relate to the original question. It doesn't relate to what he was saying before. But um, for him to say, oh, we don't, we don't uh, let kids starve to death like Trump did, I don't know who came up with that idea. I don't know if he came up with that on the spot. If he did, that's the most, that's the cleverest thing I've heard him come up with on the spot in, you know, probably since before he started running for president. But um, that's detestable. That is a detestable accusation. It's obviously false. It's easy to, you know, it's e easy to look that up and see that that's completely and utterly false. It's probably some kind of report. I, I, I actually haven't looked up where that came from. It's probably some report that somebody in the Biden administration read somewhere, thought, oh, that's a good talking point. We should talk about that. You know, the stay in Mexico policy could have led to somebody starving to death at some point. Trump doesn't care. Let's say that Trump's letting kids starve to death on the other side of the border. That'll give us a lot of sympathy. So now this is probably going to blow up into a big story. We'll see if reporters... Um, use that in in the future in you know in the next few weeks talking about how this could be another talking point right that that trump let kids starve to death in mexico it's amazing what they'll come up with you know just the lies they'll come up with is uh, it's it's always a new adventure with uh democrats seeing what lies what lies they're going to come up with next all right so this is um let's move on to the next story here uh god it's so much better when valeria's here isn't it she can make fun of me she can interject her her weird Russian ideas about the world, and I and and now nothing. I got nothing. I, got, I can't play off her. It's terrible. All right, let's move on to the next story here. So uh, this, this is terrible. Uh, the Biden administration wants cops to seize guns 
without a warrant. This is this is this is actually pretty unbelievable. Uh, so this comes from a, a story about a, a husband and wife who are fighting over a coffee mug. It's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. Let's see here. This is from Forbes, which is fun, you know, because Forbes is not a right wing publication, right? It's a left wing publication. So, uh, but they're they're reporting on it pretty neutrally because it's so it's pretty ridiculous. So it's here. Biden administration urges Supreme Court to let cops enter homes and seize guns without a warrant. Now this is this is supposed to be in a very specific case, but the but the thing that I'm concerned about is that there will be, um, you know, th- this will creep into other. Oh, okay, I got a super chat. All right, let's take the super chat. All right, thank you, Dolly. Valeria has written me. This is from Daniel J. Corica. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Daniel gives us a lot of super super chats, which we appreciate. Thank you, Daniel. He's one of our good friends here. Uh, he answered a question about gun control with infrastructure, and no one called him out for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like he basically just answers whatever question he wants. He doesn't. <laughs> and and the and the. And the media just let him go. Like, oh, okay, that's fine. Moving on, next question. They don't care. They don't care. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Daniel. All right, so let's move on to the, again, to this uh, to this uh, Supreme Court. Uh, and thank you, Valeria, for bringing that to my attention. All right, let's see here. So Supreme Court to let cops enter. Okay, right. so, yeah, again, this is about a couple that was, fighting over a coffee mug. It's really, it's a crazy thing. It's supposed to be a very specific kind of circumstance in which they can do this. But you know that this will be taken advantage of by the left because Democrats, you know, they're notorious for taking little exceptions to laws or loopholes or something like that and manipulating them to, uh, you know, in ways they were never intended to be manipulated so that they can cheat and get whatever they want uh, out of you know, the laws or they're, they're, they're very manipulative. So we have to be very specific with our laws. They have to be very strict with our laws. We can't, we can't let things slide or, or let things shift a little bit here or there. Um, but that's what it looks like could happen here. So it says the U S Supreme court on Wednesday, will hear oral arguments in Coniglia versus Strom, a case that could have sweeping consequences for a policing due process and mental health with the Biden administration and attorney general, uh, attorneys general from nine States urging the high court to uphold warrantless gun confiscation. It's weird that it's attorneys general and not attorney generals. Why is that? Why is that? I don't understand the grammar there. But anyway, let's move on. Um, But what would ultimately become a Fourth Amendment case began with an elderly couple spat over a coffee mug. This is true. It's kind of funny. And actually, I I love this story. I love what this guy says. It's great. This guy's great. In August 2015, 68-year-old Edward Coniglia joked to Kim, his wife of 22 years, that he 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 refused to use a certain coffee mug after his brother-in-law had used it because he quote might catch a case of dishonesty. <laughs> I like this guy. I like this guy. Um, that quip that quip quickly t- uh, spiraled into a long. An hour-long argument, growing exhausted from the bickering, Edward stormed into his bedroom, grabbed an unloaded handgun, and put it on the kitchen table in front of his wife. With a flair for the dramatic, he then asked, Why don't you just shoot me and get me out of my misery? <laughs> Which I also love. Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, the tactic backfired, and the two continued to argue. Eventually, Edward took, to, uh, took a drive to cool off, but when he returned, their argument flared up once again this time. Kim decided to leave the house to spend the night at a motel. The next day, Kim phoned home. No answer. Worried, 
She called the police in Cranston, Rhode Island, and asked them to perform a well check on her husband and escort her home. When they arrived, police spoke with Edward on the back deck. According to the incident report, he seemed normal, he was calm for the most part, and he even said uh, he would never commit suicide. However, none of the officers... And, and so... And they did take somewhat dramatic action, and we've seen this many, many times, right? Where there's like an old person, a wellness check is done, and then police take all of these dramatic actions that are totally unnecessary, totally unwarranted. I remember several years back, I mean, this may be like 10 years ago now, I don't know, but it was quite a while ago. Um, there was some old man, the police came to check on him. He said he was fine, but the police wanted him to go to like a psychiatric check and he wouldn't. He was like, no, piss off. And they tased him. They tased him. And his wife was like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? He's obviously like, I was worried about him and I didn't want you to come and tase him. You know, but I, th there is a problem. You know, there, there's this idea that um, police in America are racist and that's why there are occasionally, um, you know, incidents where uh, police abuse their power. Um, but this is from a very specific perspective, right? This is the pr perspective of people who already have it in their heads that police are racist, and then if police abuse their power in any way against, say, like a black person, uh, those people who have that perspective already in mind think, oh, this is because they're racist, right? There's no, let's see what they've done, let's consider whether or not it's because they're racist, and then apply that accusation. It's just, that's the assumption, and so when abuse, uh, you know, abuse of power is, is, um, is levied by a cop, uh, then it is assumed to be racism. But the truth is, we don't have a problem with cops and racism in America. We have a problem with cops and a-holism, right? So uh, there are some cops that are a-holes, all right? That's true in every profession. I have, one of my best friends is a cop, and I have talked to him many times about this, and he's like, yeah, some cops are a-holes, and they probably shouldn't be cops, right? Like, uh, And some people are just drawn to that profession because they're pricks, right? I mean, you got a guy that grows up in... Uh, you know, goes to high school, he's a high school bully, and then he gets out of high school, and he, what is he going to do with his life? Well, you know, he can work in a factory, he can, you know, there's lots of different things, but one thing, he could continue to be a, a bully legally if he becomes a police officer, right? So some people, you know, like my, my one of my best friends, this guy who's a cop, he became a cop because he is a very good man, right? Uh, he was a tough guy, and he wanted to make a difference, and, you know, he got into policing for that reason. Um, but that's not every cop. You know, a lot of cops are like my friend. A lot of cops are a-holes, right? And so we can't, maybe we should weed those guys out instead of looking, you know, trying to get cops to, you know, take critical race theory training and stuff like that because it's not going to be effective, right? If you tell a bunch of cops you got to stop being racist and they're not racist, it's actually not going to modify their behavior. But if you tell a bunch of cops to stop being a-holes and they are, in fact, horrible people, maybe something can be done there. Maybe some pro progress can be made. So that's that's been my position for like a very long time. And this is another instance of this, it appears. Um, okay, so none of the officers had asked Edward any questions about the factors relating to his risk of suicide, risk of violence, prior misuse of firearms. Edward had no criminal record or no history of violence or self-harm. In fact, one of the officers later admitted that he didn't consult any specific psychological or psychiatric criteria or medical professionals for the decisions that day. And so we'll see what the decisions are now. Uh, still, police were convinced that Edward could hurt himself and insisted that he head to a local hospital for psychiatric evaluation. It's always when police are convinced you're going to hurt yourself that things start to go awry. Uh, let's see here. 
because I mean, this is just a power move, right? Mm, everything, everything seems to indicate that you're fine, but we're going to demand that you go see psychiatric evaluation, go seek a psychiatric evaluation anyway, despite the fact that you're perfectly fine. Why? Piss off. Cops should not have that right to demand somebody take a psychological evaluation if there's no good reason for it. Um, I suppose if it does look like they are committing self-harm some way, right? They're bleeding or something like that. You know, they've been mess- messing themselves up in some way. Or they've, been, they've been sitting in the garage with the gas on. <laughs> okay, yeah, send them a psychological evaluation. Maybe they, they should have the right to force them then. But just generally, when somebody doesn't appear to have any problem... I mean, what the hell is that? Um, compounding the dishonesty. Oh, sorry. Still, police were convinced that he could hurt himself and he should go get a psychiatric evaluation. After refusing and insisting that his mental health wasn't any of their business, which is correct, Edward agreed only after police falsely promised that they would not seize his guns while he was gone. Compounding the dishonesty, police then told Kim, his wife, that Edward had consented to the confiscation. Believing the seizures were approved by her husband, Kim led the officers to the handguns, uh, that the couple owned, which were promptly seized. Even though Edward was immediately discharged from the hospital, police only returned the firearms after he filed a civil rights lawsuit against them. Critically, when the police seized the guns, they didn't claim that it was an emergency uh, or to prevent any I- imminent danger. Instead, the officers argued that their actions were a form of community caretaking, a narrow exception to the Fourth Amendment uh, Amendment's warrant requirement. So you don't have to have a warrant if you're acting... Um, for community caretaking, apparently. But community caretaking is only for com- uh, impounding cars that are dead in the middle of the road. That's really the only reason that that was established. Let's see here. First created by the Supreme Court nearly 50 years ago, the community caretaking exception was designed for cases involving impounded cars and highway safety on the grounds that police are often called to car accidents to remove nuisances like inoperable vehicles on public roads. Both a district and appellate court upheld the seizures as reasonable. So... Some of these lower courts are saying that despite the fact that this law was designed specifically, very specifically for cars that are dead in the middle of the road and could pose a public hazard, they've actually um, ruled that you can, that cops can actually just go into your house and take your guns, that that's a perfectly fine interpretation of that law. No, it is not. No, it is not. And I certainly hope that the Supreme Court uh, rules against this. Um, siding with law enforcement, the First Circuit noted that police officer must act uh, act as a uh, as a master of all emergencies who is expected to provide an infinite variety of services to prevent and protect community safety. By letting police police operate without a warrant, the community caretaking exception is designed to give police elbow room to take appropriate action. The court added in their opening for the Supreme Court. Uh, so that's that's how they've they've. Um, this is how they've adjudicated in the past. Um, but now we're looking at this uh, Coniglia case. In, in their opening for the Supreme Court, attorneys for Coniglia warned that extending the community caretaking exception to homes would be anathema for the, uh, to the Fourth Amendment because it would grant police a blank check to intrude upon their home. Um, that fear is not unwarranted. In jurisdictions that have extended the community caretaking exception to homes, everything from loud music to leaky pipes have been used to justify warrantless invasion of the home, a joint amicus brief by the ACLU, the Cato Institute, and the American Conservative Union revealed. What the, the, see, the problem with, with this is that Democrats will use any law that, see, that, you know, that has to be interpreted in 
in a, in ways that uh, allow them to do things for which they were never intended, right? And this is a perfect example. So we make a law that says that you know police can tow a car out of a, a road, and the police say, "Oh, we can." That means that we can go into your home and take your guns. What? And then you've got these like activist left wing judges that go, "Yeah, that seems totally reasonable." <laughs> I assume they're left wing judges. Maybe they're Republicans, but if they are, they're they're terrible Republicans. Because republicanism is about liberty and freedom. Uh, let's see here. So now this is where we get to the Joe Biden stuff. Because so Joe Biden's administration is uh, going up against, you know, this is trying to encourage the court to rule in, in, in a way that allows the police to do this sort of thing. And this is, this is terrifying. Because if police can go in and just take your guns because, you know, for community, what's it called? Whatever, community caretaking. Um... And they've already shifted that from towing cars off the side of the road. Who's to say they're not going to eventually say that a Democrat politician can simply determine that everyone in the state is in danger of self-harm or harming others because they own a gun, and therefore, through this community caretaking exception, all guns in the state could be seized. Now, you might think that that sounds ridiculous, but a lot of ridiculous things are being suggested right now, like making Washington, D.C. a state, making Puerto Rico a state, lowering the voting age, uh, establishing mail-in voting as the standard, um, all kinds of crazy stuff, stacking the court. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff is being suggested right now. Th this is not out of the realm of possibilities. I, I think this is a possibility, especially if it's something like, say, um, like a militia. Right, like let's say you have a bunch of militia guys, and something happens like what happened on January sixth. Uh, the Democrats would definitely want to use something like this to go in and just take their guns. Right? They would say, "Oh, this is for community caretaking. These people pose a danger. Uh, you know, they walked through the Capitol building one day. That was terrible. We better take their guns." You know that it's going to be used for stuff like this. You know it. The Democrats are very sneaky like that. You gotta you gotta keep them on a very short leash. Um. This expansion could have perverse effects and disincentivize people from calling for help, as that brief noted, when every interaction with police or request for help can become an invasion, uh, an invitation for the police to invade the home, the willingness of the individuals to seek assistance when it is most needed will suffer or will be reduced. Um, but in its amicus brief before the high court, the Biden administration glossed over these concerns and called the justices to uphold the First Circuit's ruling, noting that the ultimate touchstone of the Fourth Amendment is reasonableness. The Justice Department argued that <clears throat> warrants should not be presumptively required when a government official's actions is objectively grounded in non-investigatory public interests such as health or safety. That is how fascist regimes uh, take your freedoms. Uh, that is how they, they take your civil liberties, right? It's through these words like health and safety, right? Safety. They always say, oh, it's for the public safety. It's for the public safety. And we have to take your freedoms away because of safety. That's always what they say. That's always what they say. Um, let's see here. I, I'm not going to read the rest of this. I mean, it, it basically continues on talking about the details of the case and, and uh, say, saying basically the same things that I'm saying is that this is ridiculous. This cannot go through. If this goes through, I, am, I have a lot of concerns about the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, but I don't think that it will. I think that we're okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, man, I can't get back to my thing. All right, so I think it's time to move on.
to the next story. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I I get very annoyed with these things, and then I want to like shift. I want to like shift a little bit. Let's see. Is the next story amusing? Oh, hold on. Yeah, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Oh yes, the next story is amusing. Actually, I love the next story. It's not it's not a nice thing. It's not a good thing, but it is an interesting thing. So let's have a look at uh, the next story. This is something that was covered by Tucker Carlson the other day, and I was just astonished. I was I was like kind of annoyed that I didn't cover it first, but you can't win them all, right? Uh, let's see here. So two racist senators refuse to confirm white Biden nominees. <laughs> <laughs> if Biden nominates you and you're white, well, they're not they're not going to vote for you because you're white. Um, this is about as racist as a thing as I could possibly imagine. This is just pure racism, pure and simple. Two Asian women will not vote for white people because they're white. That's insane. Um, so let's see here. Now they they have made a compromise apparently. Um, so here's the original story. Democrat Tammy Duckworth, one of the most idiotic, I mean, I hate to say just look at her, but just look at her. <laughs> I mean, I mean, she looks like a moron. Um, okay, so let's see here. She says she would only vote to confirm a white nominee if they are LGBTQ. Senator Tammy Duckworth vows to vote no on all white straight Biden nominees until an Asian is picked. You must have an Asian somewhere in the cabinet. Democrat Illinois, uh, Democrat from, okay, Democratic Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth vowed Tuesday uh, that she will vote against confirmation of every upcoming white nominee selected by President Biden unless they are LGBTQ until an Asian American or Pacific Islander is put forth for consideration by the administration. This is illegal. By the way, this is illegal. You're not allowed to hire people based on race or not hire somebody based on race. That's illegal. But the, the Biden administration doesn't seem to care. They're just in, in fact, I think that the Biden administration should be sued for this. They have they have stated openly that they have hired people specifically because of their race. I think even Kamala Harris was brought in as a nominee specifically because of her race. But I'm not sure you could sue because of that, because. You know, picking a nominee is different than hiring somebody, and of course America has to vote for it, which is totally valid this year, or t- 2021. No fraud, nothing like that. Totally legitimate, totally legitimate. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's keep reading. What are the details? Uh, Duckworth told CNN reporter she will vote no on Biden's picks until the president appoints an Asian American and Pacific Islanders to high-level positions in the administration. That's insane. This is this is also this is also what we call extortion, right? Uh, the Biden administration is being extorted by Duckworth uh, in order to hire people in a racist way. <laughs> it it's completely insane. I mean, it's crazy on so many levels. Uh, she told the press pool, "I'm a no vote on the floor on all non-diversity nominees." You know, I will vote for racial minorities and I will vote for LGBTQ, but everyone else I'm not voting for. Everyone else is a very specific group. White, straight white males. She's being... <laughs> and let me let me just say this. Among white people, white people probably enjoy the most diversity of any race on the planet, right? 
because we think of diversity as like, oh, this person's black. They've got, you know, black hair, brown eyes, darker skin. You know, their hair's probably curly. You know, they, they have specific characteristics. We think of an Asian person, straight hair, um, you know, very specifically shaped eyes usually. Um, sort of tan skin, uh, probably not very tall, right? Sometimes they are. Northern Chinese are pretty tall. But uh, they have very specific characteristics. Not a huge amount of variation amongst black people. Not a huge amongst... Uh, not a huge amount of variation among Asians, uh, specifically like Chinese, Korean, Japanese. Not a huge amount of variation among most people. Most people around the world, black hair or very dark brown hair... Um, you know, some groups have curly hair, some groups have straight hair, darker skin, this kind of stuff, brown eyes. Amongst white people, you have a huge gamut of people with very fair skin to relatively dark skin. You have people with green eyes, blue eyes, hazel eyes, brown eyes, black eyes. I had pretty black eyes when I was a kid, actually. You have people with uh, black hair, blonde hair, brown hair, red hair. You have people with freckles. You have people without freckles. You have, you have this huge variety of types within the European population, right? Uh, it's even if you don't grow up around Europeans, if you see a blonde European next to a redhead European next to a brunette European, it, they're pretty easy to distinguish. You know, they have really uh, strong differentiations. If you watch uh, the Jackie Chan movie uh, and Chris Tucker movie Rush Hour you will know that among Asians all y'all look alike <laughs> according to to Chris Tucker and that's not a racist thing right that's that's uh, a lack of familiarity right if you're if you're if you lack familiarity if if you don't like say live in China for a, a while or you're not um you're not accustomed to looking at Asian faces it's it's probably relatively easy to think that a lot of Asians look kind of similar, right? Because their their features don't vary as significantly as a redheaded, blonde, and brunette white person. So we have the most diversity of any race, Tammy Duckworth, you stupid racist. All right, sorry, I digress. Let's continue. The senator complained, there's no AAPI, that means... Asian American Pacific Islander. There's no AAPI representation in the cabinet. There's not a single AAPI in the in a cabinet position. That's unacceptable. No, it isn't unacceptable. It's totally acceptable, Tammy Duckworth. It's totally acceptable. If the best candidates for each position were not Asian American, it's fine that there are no Asian Americans in the cabinet. That's fine. Uh, let's see here. Adding that President Biden will be the first president in 20 years without a cabinet secretary who's an a who is AAPI. It's fine, Tammy Duckworth. It's fine. God, she's such a flippin' racist. Okay. Duckworth, who was born in Thailand, explained that she made the decision after being, ins uh, after being insulted by a comment made by a White House official during a webcast with Senate Democrats on Monday evening, the New York Post reported. According to Duckworth, White House Deputy Chief of Staff Jennifer uh, O'Malley Dillon allegedly suggested that Asian Americans should be satisfied with the fact that Vice President Kamala Harris is part of the administration. <laughs> no, no. Asian Americans should be satisfied with the idea that race doesn't matter that much. Okay. It doesn't matter what race you are. You hire the best person for the job. That's what they should be satisfied with. 
course, the Democrats don't think like that. So, okay, yeah, I get it that you have to have your demographic represented. Kamala Harris is, in fact, Indian, which is which is in Asia. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. According to Duckworth, White House Deputy Chief of Staff Jennifer O'Malley, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Post noted that Harris is biracial. Her mother was born in Indian. Her father is black and from Jamaica, partly black. Duckworth said that when I asked about AAPI representation, the first words out of this house mouth were, well, well, we're very proud of Vice President Harris, which is incredibly insulting. Why is that incredibly insulting? The only reason that should be insulting is the fact that they care anything about race when they're hiring. They shouldn't care anything. It is illegal to hire people based on race. It is illegal to discriminate against people based on race. It is illegal. The federal... The executive branch of the federal government is illegally hiring people, right? These are illegal hiring practices being conducted openly by the federal government. It's insane. Okay, we've got another super chat from Ethan Thompson. I don't think you wrote anything, but thank you, Ethan Thompson. That's very generous of you. Yep. 20 bucks. Now, Ethan Thompson, if you wanted to write something to me and you messed it up, because that happens sometimes. My brother messed it up trying to send me a super chat. Just write at Toxic Space Masculinity. That'll come up as orange, and Valeria will send me the text, because if you did intend to write something, then I would like to read it. Um, okay, getting back to the article. Duckworth said that when I asked about AAPI representation, okay, we already read that part, uh, to be told that, well, you have Kamala Harris, we're very proud of her, you don't need anybody else, well, that's insulting. Last night, that was the trigger for me, Duckworth fumed. That was the trigger for me. You guys aren't racist enough, and therefore I'm triggered, and I'm not going to vote for any white people. I'm going to be even more racist than I want you guys to be, so that you guys can be more racist. What an effing mother... Oh, just, God, I hate, I hate freaking Democrats. They're so... All right. But multiple times I've heard that, the senator continued, and that's not something you would say to a black caucus. Well, you have Kamala. You're not going to put it, put any more African-Americans in the cabinet because you have Kamala. No, you shouldn't hear anything about anybody's race ever. We have an all-white cabinet. That's fine. We have an all-Asian cabinet. That's fine. We have an all-black cabinet. That's fine. If they're the best people for the job... Just hire the best people for the job. That's it. That's it. Okay? God. And and a lot of times, certain people of certain races don't really want certain kinds of jobs. Right? Sort of like men and women. Women don't really love engineering. And so, they're, you know, men don't, like, love nursing. So you don't have a ton of male nurses. You don't have a ton of female engineers. That's fine. It's not a systemic problem. It's not because of... Of misogyny or sexism. It's not because of anything like that. This is not because of racism, you stupid woman. This is... Cool. God, I hate these stupid racist Democrats. Okay. But multiple times I've heard that... Okay, well, I read, I read that, yeah. The Democrat from Illinois said that she informed the White House this morning of her decision to reject their non-diverse candidates, and they will get back to me. White people are part of the diversity of the world, you stupid woman. Okay? We talk about this all the time. Republicans talk about this all the time, but what's really critical is diversity of ideas, right? Diversity of thought, not diversity of skin color. God, she needs to be represented because she's an Asian. You know what she needs? She needs to be kicked out of office for being a flipping racist. 
whoever's running against her next year in Illinois, you have to run on this platform that the woman you're running against is is a disgusting racist. <laughs> I mean, you're going to win on that, I assume, unless there's just like an unbelievably high number of Asians in Illinois or delusional delusional, uh, you know, white women who have all that white guilt. Uh, anything else? Following the news of Duckworth's protest, Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, who is the biggest moron ever in the world. Can I just, by the way, okay, well, l- let me read through this. Okay. Um, told Forbes that she would join Duckworth in opposing all white straight candidates. We're very serious about it because Joe Biden made a, we're very serious about our racism because Joe Biden made a commitment, Hirono said. He made a commitment to be racist and therefore we're going to be more racist you know, we're serious about our racism because Joe Biden said that he would be racist. He's not being as racist as he said he would be. She argued that it's not about pitting one diversity group against another and that she's happy to vote for Hispanic, an LGBT person, an AAPI person, and she should be happy voting for a white person, but she isn't because she's a racist. Let me go to YouTube real quick. Maisie, I think that's how you spell her name, Hirono. Oh, is that hot? No, um, intelligent. Yeah, I think she's. she once said that Democrats have a problem because they have to, um, that, here it is. They have to, they have to, because people are unaware about how smart Democrats are, <laughs> right? The reason people don't all vote Democrat is because people just aren't aware of how smart Democrats are. Let me go ahead and uh, shoot. I'm on the wrong thing here. Let me uh, let me switch off the audio for me, and let me switch on the audio for her, and let's hear what she has to say. At a symposium, Democratic Senator Hirono was asked what Democrats must do to connect with voters. One of the things that we uh, Democrats um, have a really hard time uh, is connecting to people's hearts instead of here. We're really good at shoving out all the information that touch people here but not here. And I have been saying at all of our Senate Democratic retreats that we need to speak to the heart, not in a manipulative way, not in a way that brings forth everybody's fears and, and resentments, but truly to speak to the heart so that people know that we're actually on their side. Mm, then they sing Kumbaya. So wait a second. The problem with Democrats are that they're too intellectual. I gotta say, I love Greg Gutfeld, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, so that she's kind of famous for saying that, right? For saying that uh, that de- that Democrats are just so smart, and and people don't get it. People just don't get how smart we are. We're, we're you know we're too smart. We we're not uh, we're not communicating effectively enough because we're just too dang smart or something like that. And and my buddy uh, Kurt, he's from Hawaii. She's his representative, and uh, he hates her with a passion. Uh, uh, which is pretty funny <laughs> because she's Japanese, he's Japanese. and uh, But here's the thing about my buddy Kurt uh, that's a little bit different than Maisie Hirono. My buddy Kurt is not a racist. So that helps him to see things a little bit more clearly, I think. Um, so let's see here. So then I guess it was reported that... Oh, no, sorry. That's my next story. I don't want to get into that. Um, where's the other story? Well, there's so there's another story that apparently these um oh here it is. Democrat senators Duckworth and Hirono quickly accept Biden's compromise of Asian liaison appointment. So 
to compromise with these stupid racist women, the Demo- uh, the Biden administration set up some kind of like Asian liaison thing. Let's see here. The White House reversed course Tuesday night, offering one appointment of Asian descent to a liaison position, satisfying Tammy Duckworth's concerns, who lashed out at the administration Tuesday for a lack of Asian representation. Duckworth readily accepted the White House's concession late Tuesday in a statement from her spokesman. Uh, Senator Duckworth appreciates the Biden administration's assurance that it will do much more to elevate AAPI voices and perspectives at the highest levels of government, including appointing an AAPI senior White House official to represent the community, secure the confirmation of AAPI appointments, and advance policy proposals that are relevant and important to the community. Um, yeah, but but here's the... Pro- the Okay, so they put in some... I don't even know what a liaison position is supposed to be, I, I, I'm not sure if it's even a significant position, but I think the reason that these women were like, okay, that's fine, that's fine, we'll, we'll go ahead and vote for white people now, uh, is because I think after they made their position clear, I think a lot of Democrats told them, you can't say that. Like, you can't, you can't say I refuse to vote for white people because they're white and extort the Biden administration and tell them that you're not going to vote for anybody that they nominate that's white until more Asians are, are put in place. They're like, that's racist, and you can't do that. And I think they realized that pretty early on. They realized this is not a, a hill that they could even try to die on, uh, uh, you know, without just looking like complete degenerates. So they were like, okay, uh, whatever they offer us, we'll just take it. Yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine. We'll take that, we'll take that. I mean, I don't know. But the real story here, as we all know, is that Maisie Hirono and Tammy Duckworth are total racists, and they don't deserve the positions that they're in. Uh, Kurt, I implore you to run for, uh, what is she Senator? I think she's a Senator. Um, I implore you to run as a representative or a Senator in Hawaii and uh, take Maisie Hirono's seat because she's a horrible person. She's a racist and she's awful. Um, okay. Now I kind of hinted at the next story, which is hilarious, but let's go have a look real quick. Um, Useless only... Okay, so this is the next story, in case in case you guys are wondering. Useless nose-only COVID masks to wear while eating. Okay, so this is... <laughs> There's this new thing that, that was developed in Mexico, apparently. Um, let me switch over to the thing here. Okay, so these are nose-only masks. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen ever. Look at these pictures. So here's the guy drinking coffee. Here's a woman on her phone. I don't know why she's not eating anything because it's specifically for eating i guess there she is she's drinking her coffee there having a little uh cookie uh, these, these people look crazy i mean this looks ridiculous so let me go ahead and read a little bit of this researchers create and these are from researchers these researchers know what they're even doing okay researchers create nose only covid masks to wear while eating researchers in mexico has sniffed out a new covid mask designed for people to wear only over their schnozzes whilst they eat According to a report on Wednesday, these nose masks were under the full masks uh, and, you know, similarly behind the ears with straps were unveiled in a demonstration video where a man and woman sit down for lunch, according to Reuters. In the video, the pair takes off their normal masks to reveal their nose only gear before chowing down at an outdoor table. Some observers cheered the idea on Twitter, saying it would reduce transmission while others poked fun at the goofy look. Hardly a new invention. Clowns have been wearing them for years, one user posted along with a photo of a bright-nosed clown. Um, 
All right, but he, so then then they've written human cells that give people the sense of smell are key are key entry points for the coronavirus, making the nose coverings important, according to John Hopkins University. Well, John Hopkins University is either lying or they're morons. I don't think they're morons. I don't know if I don't know if what they're saying is even remotely. I don't know, I don't know why they would say that because here's the thing about masks and and all that kind of thing, right? The whole reason that we were sold that masks are a good idea was not to stop you getting the virus, right? If, if, if I'm wearing a mask, I cannot expect that I'm not going to get the virus because the masks are too porous. The virus is too small. It can go through the little tiny, teeny, tiny holes in the mask, especially if you're wearing just like a piece of fabric, right? If you're wearing, you know, like a, a N95 mask, okay, maybe maybe you can maybe help stop transmission to some degree. But like a piece of cloth like that isn't going to stop anything. So masks were never intended to stop people from getting sick by wearing the mask. They were they were intended to stop people from spewing out the virus to other people. They were to reduce transmission. Now, here's an interesting fact about COVID that most people don't know. One of the symptoms of COVID, which you would expect because coughs, colds, uh, the flu tend to have this symptom. Uh, one of the symptoms that is absent from covid is sneezing if you're sneezing you do not have covid and how do we know this because sneezing is not one of the one of the hallmarks it doesn't cause you to sneeze it's not one of the symptoms that's what that's the word i was looking for it's not one of the symptoms of covid if you're sneezing you, you probably don't have covid either that or you have covid and allergies <laughs> but sneezing is not a symptom of covid coughing uh, the dry cough, that is a symptom of COVID. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think coughs come out of your nose. <laughs> and also, even if it were a sneeze, sneezes come out of the mouth as well. Covering up your nose does nothing. If anything, they should make just a mouth covering mask and say, just breathe normally through the, the dang uh, nose piece. All right, we've got a, a super chat from Craig Day. Uh, but again, it doesn't look like there's any anything written there. So, uh, Craig, if you want to say something, write uh, the toxic masculinity thing. Oh, yeah, he, he did. Okay, he wrote later. Um, he wrote, that's one angry kitty. Can you guys hear the cat? That's terrible. I'm sorry. I, I put him in the um, bathroom because he was meowing out here so much. But, uh, yeah, when he's in the bathroom, he's not happy. Um so if you sneeze, you can assume you don't have COVID. If you're sick and you're sneezing, unless you have allergies, there's a good chance you don't have COVID. It's something else. Um, that's a true fact. You can go ahead and look that up. That's true. Um, gosh, my poor cat. I, I do feel bad putting him in the, in, the, in the bathroom, but he needs to learn to shut up. Okay. Uh, he, he's so good when Valeria is here. He just sleeps on the bed and everything's fine. I don't know what, I don't know what his deal is today. Uh, but anyway, so this whole nose mask thing is just idiotic, but I wanted to show it because I thought it would look funny. That's basically that. So let's move on to the next story. Uh, let me find it here. Okay. So story number six, the, the final story, representative Senator. Oh, sorry. Republican Senator represented. I just put, put REP Republican Senator demands update on the investigation into bogus Kavanaugh persecution okay so let's have a look at this uh this is from this is senator grassley uh and he's 
and he's coming back and revisiting the Kavanaugh thing, which I think we should do with a lot of these stories. Uh, Valeria writes... Um, oh, I can see a highlighted message with your name. I'm driving. She's driving, so she can't alert me to stuff. I don't know what she's saying. I'm just going to look here real quick. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of messages with toxic masculinity on it, but I'm not going to read all those because i, I got to do the news, guys. I'm almost done. Let's see here. All right, Senator Grassley calls on DOJ and FBI to give updates on criminal investigations into Justice Kavanaugh's false accusers. I love this. The reason I love this is because we don't seem to hold the left accountable for anything. The left holds us accountable for things we don't even do wrong. Like the left will lie about something about Republicans and then they'll they'll produce some kind of like, you know, multi-million dollar investigation to try to get us into trouble. They'll use the pretext the pretense of whatever it is that they've accused us of to investigate us, right? They did this with Trump a bunch. So they'd say like, Trump did this bad thing. We need to start an investigation. Obviously, Trump didn't do that bad thing, but they use the pretense of that bad thing that, they're, that they've accused him of to go look for more dirt and to try to get Trump out of office. They would do that all the time. That's a little trick of theirs. We don't even go after the left for things that they actually do wrong. We just let them get away with everything. It's crazy. But Grassley, in this case, is not... So let's go ahead and read some of this story. I love this story. Two and a half years ago, a leading Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee referred attorney Michael Avenatti and his client Julie Swetnick to the Department of Justice for a potential criminal investigation into their false sexual misconduct claims about Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And that was a, a very clear case of a false accusation. Now that, now that Republican wants the DOJ and FBI to provide an update on the status of the investigation. Chuck, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, wrote a letter to the DOJ and the FBI this week seeking an update on any criminal investigations into the bogus allegations made to Congress about Kavanaugh when he was a nominee to the Supreme Court. Um, on October 8th, 2019, several colleagues and I wrote a letter to Attorney General William Barr and Director Christopher Wray requesting an update concerning their handling of criminal referrals made by the committee following its investigation into allegations of decades-old misconduct by the then-Judge Brett, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, grassley reminded federal investigators. To date, the Justice Department and FBI have failed to respond to our letter. And again, this was in 2019 they wrote this letter. October 2019, that's over a year ago. To date, the Justice Department and FBI have failed to respond to our letter and have failed to apprise the committee whether and to what extent any steps have been taken to investigate and hold accountable those individuals who criminally interfered with the committee's investigation, he wrote. These failures are entirely unacceptable. Because the FBI works for the Democrats, or they work with the Democrats, one or the other. The Democrats might work for the FBI. I'm not sure. Either way, they work hand in hand, and they are against conservatives. So they are willing to go after conservatives. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Swetnick thing was you know, was uh, like set up by the FBI. I mean, that's that's obviously like a wild, wild speculation, but you never know because, you know, these people are unscrupulous. President Donald Trump nominated Kavanaugh in 2018 to fill the Supreme Court vacancy left by retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy before his confirmation. Uncorroborated and unconfirmed accusations of sexual misconduct were made against Kavanaugh by Christine Blasey Ford. Christine Blasey Ford. Do you remember her? What a liar. Anyway, from the time when they were both teenagers. I mean, what a weird... Do you remember that accusation? Not, not to go on too much of a tangent here, but Christine Blasey Ford, if you remember, she accused Brett Kavanaugh of when he was a kid pushing her on a bed and like then wrestling around with his friend 
And she like thought that she was going to get raped and then she ran off. And then many, many years later, she said, well, I thought I was going to get raped, even though there was no indication whatsoever that that would happen. And therefore, Brett Kavanaugh shouldn't be a Supreme Court justice. And it was like, I, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, like you would push your brother's on a couch or you know you 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 roughhouse a little bit right if there's a bed that's a soft place so if you're going to push somebody good place to push them is on a bed right um so it could very well be that he was just roughhousing if it was even him he doesn't remember doing anything like that it could have been some other random kid and for whatever reason she thought it was brett kavanaugh she she wasn't clear like it wasn't clear to her that it was brett kavanaugh she says that it was but she i mean the whole thing is just absolute BS. Like some guy pushed me on a bed once and I think it was Brett Kavanaugh. And so he shouldn't be the, you know, like what the, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a rape accusation. It was an accusation that he did something that made her think maybe he might rape her. <laughs> it was the stupidest accusation in the history of accusations, And the Democrats all took it so seriously. Believe her, believe all women. Believe all women. Give me a freaking break. Believe all women when they say that this guy did something that made me think maybe he might rape me <laughs> when he was 14. Come on. God, that was such a stupid case. All right. The Democrats are just, again, unscrupulous. Unscrupulous. Following Ford, others came forward uh, to level false allegations against Kavanaugh, including Swetnick and our attorney Avenatti. Grassley, the ranking member of the, uh, of the Senate Judiciary Committee, sent four criminal referrals to the Department of Justice claiming Swetnick and Avenatti made materially false, fictitious, and fraudulent statements to committee investigators. For example, one of the... You know what's weird about that? If if at any time they suspect um, that, a, that a conservative or a Republican has said anything that they can twist into something that they say is deceptive, um, then, they'll, then they will accuse a conservative of, um, uh, you know, of lying. What's that called? Well, anyway, they'll, they'll accuse the conservative of lying and they'll like put him in prison. I mean, Democrats are crazy. Democrat, you cannot let Democrats have an inch because they will take 20 miles. I mean, Democrats are nuts. We, we, we have to start fighting a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more fiercely, I think, in the court system everywhere. Uh, it's ridiculous. All right, let's see here. So, uh, for example, one of the referrals related to the individual from Rhode Island who falsely accused... Uh, who falsely falsely alleged to Congress that Judge Kavanaugh had a, assaulted a friend on a boat, only to later admit on social media that he lied about the event. Two referrals re- related to allegations made by Mr. Michael Avenatti and his client, Miss Julie Swetnick, who who accused Judge Kavanaugh of being involved in gang rape activities. Jeez, I remember that. Yeah, in college, right? Grassley wrote in his letter. The committee identified no verifiable evidence to support the allegations. The committee found that Mr. Avenatti, who had who has since been convicted of, on felony extortion charges. <laughs> yeah, real real great guy there. And his client, Miss Swetnick, had a long history of credibility issues and may have criminally conspired to mislead the committee regarding those allegations and obstruct its investigation, he continued. A final referral related to Miss Judy uh, Monroe Layton, a woman who claimed to be the author of an anonymous letter stating that Judge Kavanaugh and a friend raped her several times each in the backseat of a car, Miss Monroe Layton later admitted that she falsely claimed that she was the author of the letter and its uh, its allegations and only claimed authorship of the letter as a way to grab attention. See, see, the reason that the other reason that we need to um, aggressively go after these people is that it'll keep happening, right? 
These kind of false accusations will keep happening unless these people are prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And, and this is a very serious problem, right? If Republicans, if the Democrats are using this as a strategy, right, anytime a Republican is nominated for anything or, or is trying to get elected for something or whatever, um, these people are coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, they raped me, they raped me, they raped me. I mean, this happened to, to Trump all the time, right? Um, if this becomes a strategy of the left and there's no punishment for it, then they will very easily be able to get people to do it uh, who just want attention or just want to sell a book or something like that. Speaking of selling books, I should write a book. I'm thinking about writing two books, actually. But anyway, moving on. Uh, these false allegations materially, Im materially impeded the committee's work and diverted important committee resources during its time-sensitive investigation, Grassley said. At the time, Grassley ordered full investigations of each allegation made against Kavanaugh. He said neither congressional investigators nor FBI background checks were able to uncover evidence of, outlandish and slander of the outlandish and slanderous claims. He also said those who made false statements to Congress must be held responsible for their criminal behavior. Accordingly, I ask that you provide a response to the question posed in the October 8th, 2019 letter, no later than April 6th, 2021. Your response should include a full explanation of the steps the Justice Department and FBI have taken to investigate the committee's four criminal referrals for investigation of potential violations of 18 U.S.C. Uh, 1001, materially false statements. 1505 obstruction and 371 conspiracy. If no actions have been taken in response to those referrals, please explain why not. Grassley concluded. Oh, I love that guy. That's awesome. I hope I hope things start to work out. I love that they're holding them to the fire. I love all of that. Anyway, so that is it for the news. I would love to take your questions and your comments. Well, we got a little super chat here from Frank James where he's just provided me with a cat emoji. <laughs> and he's also written, when I'm running the country, politicians will get an apartment in the capital, each enough food to live, clothing to represent the country in a respectful manner, and a bus pass. <laughs> Look, I, I don't think that congressmen should be paid very little. I think they should be paid a significant amount of money. Um, but I don't think that they should get um, stock options and things like that, uh, especially uh, because they're congressmen and because they... Uh, you know, produce uh, favorable legislation to um, credit card companies or whatever. That That's something that happened with um, Pelosi. I mean, there's a lot of ways that these uh, politicians corruptly get rich. And I don't think that they should corruptly get rich. I think they should just make money. The, um, you know, get their income. Uh-oh, my, my wife is writing me here. Let's see here. Frank, okay, she's clicked the Frank James thing. All right. So, yep, I got that, darling. I got that one. I got it. All right, uh, Jesus says God writes kickbacks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if you guys haven't seen my uh, my video called um, oh God, well, what is it called? It's about Democrat corruption. Let me see. Let's see, Mr. Reagan. What do I call? What do I call this? What do I call this video? We're gonna find out in one second. One moment, please. I think it's got Hillary Clinton on the on the front of the thumbnail. It's called The Democrat Crime Problem. I call it The Democrat Crime Problem. And it only got 55,000 views, and it should have gotten a lot more. Now I'm getting an unbelievably small number of views. Like, my last video's got 22,000 views. The one before that, 22,000 views. The one before that, 17,000 views. That's, like, the lowest I've ever gotten since, you know, since like, I first started this, you know, like, my first year. Um, let's see... Uh, the the one before that twenty two thousand the one before that forty six the one before that twenty seven thousand the one before that thirty four the one before that eighteen the one before that twenty four 
Uh, the one before that, 31. The one before that, 27, 27, 18, uh, 35, 28. So YouTube has decided apparently that my videos aren't allowed to be shown to anyone but my subscribers. And so my view count just went whoof, right? Because I have nobody, I think it's it's 97% subscribers are watching my video and 3% unsubscribed people are watching my videos. So nobody, I mean, it's essentially impossible to find my videos if you're not already subscribed to my channel, you know, probably unless somebody shares it with you or something like that. It's pretty terrible. Nicole C writes, all your videos should be viral. You speak truth bombs daily. Well, thank you. You know, one thing I try to do on this channel, one thing I've realized that is is necessary to be done as a conservative is to say things that are true that uh, are tend to be ignored in our society. And because they're ignored... Um, society is going down the wrong path. Like, for instance, this idea that, uh, you know, society is systemically racist and white people are racist. Uh, well, not only is that not true, but uh, if it's not true, then why are black people disproportionately poor, right? They're always saying black people are disproportionately poor, and that's because white people are racist. Okay, well, we have to uncover the the truth behind why black people are poor uh, disproportionately, and uh, so I've, I have several theories about that, but the primary theory I have is that they're racist against white people. If you've got a group that's disproportionately poor and they live alongside a group that's disproportionately wealthy and the disproportionately poor group refuses to interact with the disproportionately wealthy group, you're never going to get out of poverty, guys. Like, it's going to be much, much more difficult for you. So that's a, a truth that, that most black people are racist. That's something that nobody ever says in this country. And, 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 it's, and it's devastating, I think. It's devastating more even to black people than it is to white people in this country. But it's devastating to everybody, you know, because we're divided and it's terrible and you get all these, like, burning down buildings and, you know, these stupid riots and everything. Another truth I like to mention is that right, there's this idea that every culture in the world is perfect and peaceful and amazing. The Muslims and the Chinese and ev- everybody's just so perfect. Sub-Saharan Africans were always such good people. They're also perfect. Native Americans never scalped anyone. They were so perfect. There's all this idea that every culture is perfect except for the evil white man. Evil white people are just the worst. And the truth is that, of course, it's nuanced. There was good white people. There was bad white people. There were good Native Americans. There were bad Native Americans. There was good Sub-Saharan Africans. There were bad Sub-Saharan Africans. So Everywhere you go, there's good people and there's bad people. And I would say that white Europeans were probably disproportionately good because we had the sort of um, ethical bulwark of Christianity stopping us from um, being as vicious as we might have been had we been atheistic or maybe more, um, uh, you know, believed in a more savage faith or something like that. Uh, more, you know, a more vicious kind of religion that was much more violent. Um, Christianity is a very peaceful religion, so we had that bulwark. And so I think that society was fortunate throughout the world that that Europeans were the first that developed the ability to take over large sections of the planet um, because if it had been a different group, who knows how much violence would have occurred. Um, but on top of that, I would like to say that even if you look at the damage that Europeans have done throughout the world, you have to balance that with the benefit that... Um, uh, Europeans have provided to the world. And so I always mention that Europeans basically invented everything. And people hate when I say that. <laughs> and one thing I've said that people seem to get particularly upset about is that I always say that Europeans invented the wheel. People seem to be very surprised by this and and um, and and outraged by it. But that's true. Europeans invented the wheel. Look it up. It was developed in what is now considered Ukraine. Um, the people who currently... Uh, uh, 
live in Ukraine are not necessarily the same people that lived there at the time. This was like 3000 BC, something like that, um, that the wheel was developed. Um, but yeah, the wheel that was developed, wheel and axle system for transportation was developed in the region we now call Ukraine in about 3000 BC by Europeans. Look it up. It's true. It was never developed anywhere else on the planet. It's just developed there, as far as we know. And that's it. I, I, it shouldn't be controversial to state historical facts, but it is because of, you know, the context of all the racial issues and stuff like that. All right, let's see here. Nathaniel has uh, uh, provided us with $5 again. Thank you, Nathaniel. He's written, Dems live by Sololinsky's rules for radicals. Republicans need to study it and learn how to combat each attack with equal ferocity, exposing their lies. I, I agree with you 100%. Not just rules for radicals. There's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of f philosophy on the left which is all about strategy, about how to destroy conservatives and people that they don't like. Um, it's not, yeah, I know, sweetheart. <laughs> She's, she, she sent me a, uh, an image of your, of your super chat. Um, I, don't, I don't have the articles open anymore, Valeria, so I can, I can now just pay attention to the super chats. Yeah, I go on tangents a little bit, but I'll, I'll get to them. Uh, Right, so it's not just rule for radicals. There's lots of guides that they have about how to try to destroy, and a lot of it comes from, um, you know, the communist ideas from the USSR, from Marx, um, stuff like that. They they have a variety of playbooks, um, but yeah, a lot of it is a lot of the what the Democrats want to do is to create uh, racial tension in America. They want to create racial tension. They want to divide us. They don't want to unite us. You notice the the, the Biden administration will always say. We, we have to unite together. We have to unite together. But then they do all of these things that are just absolutely vicious and that, that Republicans absolutely hate. Flair <laughs> writes, okay, I'm done then. <laughs> she's, she's on her way home. She's going to be a while. So uh, Valeria is good trying to help. I know she is. She's Valeria is amazing. She's, she's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I was watching some, old show old tv show called amazing stories you guys should check this out it's called amazing stories it was produced and it was written a lot of every episode was every story was written by steven spielberg it's from like 1985 or something like that amazing if you want to see a whole bunch of spielberg movies essentially that you've never heard of before go to nbc.com and watch amazing stories it's all free and it's fantastic. I mean, they're fantastic. And it's like a nostalgia bomb. If you want to go back to the 80s and relive your childhood and see a show you've probably never seen before, watch Amazing Story. I've been watching those. And uh, at one point, there was this guy that write, that said, um, that said, that said uh, he got married. And this guy goes, I, I've never seen you so productive. You seem so happy. And he's like, yeah, man, marrying this woman uh, really... Um, really changed me I'm, I'm i feel so much better i'm so happy much happier now i have so much en more energy and i think it's true some people you get into relationships with and they kind of even though you like them and you find them attractive and there's things you like about them they do somehow make your life worse i've noticed but there's some people that you get involved with and you know you like them you find them attractive you want to be around them and stuff and they make your life a lot better and yeah, Valeria has made my life way better. I have to say, I, I'm much much happier now than I was. Uh, you know, there's there's some there's some benefits to being single. It's a bit, it's a bit of fun, and there's that hunt, there's that challenge. Actually, when I was first with Valeria, it was a little bit tough because I couldn't go hunting anymore. Hunt, hunting was such a, a big part of my life, and I couldn't hunt. Ah, I was it was awful. But I'm I'm over that now. I'm I'm good now. But uh, you know, you you uh, 
if there's something that's really great, you give up the, the thing that was, you know, you have to give us something good to get it. You give up the good thing and you, you go for the great thing. So that, that's my deal with Valeria. Let's see here. <laughs> Eric Thiebold says she will beat him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, let's see here. Ethan Thompson writes, as a white man in the southern United States, I had several incidents where I have encountered racism. Many of my black friends uh, have not actively experienced in the same way. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've made it acceptable to... Thanks for the comment, Ethan. Uh, we've made it acceptable to to be racist against white people. I mean, we do live in a racist country, but it's just racist against a group that the left doesn't recognize. It's racist against white people. I mean, systemically racist against white people. Systemically racist against white people. And look what's happened in the Biden administration. It's crazy. Frank James, toxic masculinity. We uh, were kidding when we said you were fat last week. No, I'm, I'm, I'm quite quite fat now. I mean, much fat. But when I, when I first started my show, you should watch my early videos of my show. I'm so skinny. I look like I'm 20 years old, right? I'm 36 in those videos, but I look like I'm 20. You look at me now. I look my age. It's terrible. I look, I'm 41. I look 41. It's awful. Uh, the chat thinks that you're losing weight too fast. Some think you're gaining too. Uh, did, did you do your Archie Bunker homework? Yeah, I did. I actually did go and I watched those Archie Bunker things. The thing about Archie Bunker, I, I do like what he has to say to some degree, um, but what he has to say is meant to sound ridiculous. So the people who were writing that show were trying to show Archie Bunker as an idiot. Right? He's sort of the Homer Simpson of his day. So I actually don't like those because although he might be making a good point here and there, um, they are trying to make uh, Meathead the one that's correct and his and, and his and the daughter, you know, his, his wife. They're trying to make them sound like the, the ones that are smart and right. And, and the wife as well. I think Edith, right? The wife is also a Democrat. They're all Democrats except for the one Republican. And they're, they're always trying to make Archie Bunker sound wrong uh, and sound like an idiot and sound uh, like a bigot and terrible. Um, it is a bit fun to watch those because it was in a day and age when you could say certain words on television that you can't say now. <laughs> And so it's quite a lot of fun just to see that difference um, between that era and now uh, and, and how people didn't find things quite as offensive. Everything's, of course, offensive now. Ghostface Vanilla, you're back. Good to see a Ghostface. Uh, he's right. Keep fighting the good fight. Well, I, I will try. Um, I do think of it as, as a fight. I, you know, I'll tell you what. I uh, watched a video called Trigonometry. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a British show on YouTube trigonometry i highly recommend this show um and i watched a particular episode with a guy by the name of calvin robinson calvin robinson is a new face uh for conservatism in the uk he's half black he's 100 percent christian <laughs> and uh after the show after the show trigonometry i i went ahead and i wrote him on on uh, twitter and this is what I wrote. I wrote, I caught you on trigonometry. I'm very impressed. It was like it was like listening to a half black British version of myself. Uh, and then I wrote a little laughing emoji. I wrote, uh, um, I'm, I'm a conservative YouTuber in the United States. I, I have no good reason to reach out to you, actually, other than to merely connect. Uh, but I do believe that uh, a day will become when we'll be able to help each other, maybe. Um I shall be visiting the UK probably in the fall. Perhaps we can meet up for tea. I used to live in the UK and uh, I did become a bit addicted to tea. I, I drink coffee mostly now, but um, black coffee. If you if you don't drink black coffee, but you want to start drinking black coffee, get Don Francisco Hawaiian Hazelnut Blend. It tastes just like Kona coffee, 
um, with like a hazelnut flavor. And it's absolutely, I have tons of friends who come over for coffee and I don't maybe have cream or sugar. And I say, well, I, I don't really have cream, but I do, you know, but the coffee is actually pretty good black. Why don't you try it? And every single one of them is like, I don't drink coffee black, but I will drink this coffee black. This is amazing. Um, so wait, so this guy wrote back up, uh, back to me. Thank you. Always up for a cup of tea. But the reason I read this to you is because I then wrote, um, excellent. I'll let you know when I'm in town. I sometimes feel like we're in a war. It's always good to have like-minded men to call on. Um, both of our countries in crisis. Let me know if you ever need anything. And the guy wrote, it is a war and we're losing. We have a lot of ground to cover. And I just love that, right? Because this is a guy who's also a very prominent conservative, very, very intelligent. Uh, what's his name? Calvin Robinson. He's, he's a new new guy as far as I'm aware. I've never heard of him until the other day. Trigonometry, the episode with Calvin Robinson. Give it a watch if you can. The guy's awesome. And uh, the, just the fact that he writes back and I said, I often feel like we're in a war. And he writes, we are in a war, right? It's really weird. It's like we're all kind of on the same page, right? We're all perceiving the, the, the things in the same way. And I really do think we're like in a war and we all we all do have to kind of keep fighting the good fight. That really, it, the analogy is totally apt. All right, this guy writes, uh, John Butjack. I don't know what that means, but it sounds vulgar, John. Uh, John Butjack writes, uh, circling back to your YouTube views thing, have you thought about opening an account on Rumble or any other YouTube knockoffs? <laughs> knockoffs. Yeah, I have done. Yeah, I mean, I have an account on Rumble. I post basically everywhere. Um, the Rumble account hasn't done particularly well. Facebook has basically stopped paying everyone. Uh, Facebook used to pay people really, really well. Um, just as well as YouTube, if not better. Um, I used to be censored a lot on Facebook, but I still was making quite a bit of money. But now I'm not making any money on Facebook. Facebook basically cut off all the money that you can make on that site, uh, you know, I'm, I can maybe make a fifth of what I used to make on Facebook. So I've kind of stopped posting there, but I should, uh, I should post more. Um, uh, this, this girl writes the, the eerie fairy wrote, okay, uh, just subbed. We'll check it out. Yeah, you should do so. Um, I believe she said that she was going to unsub to my channel because Valeria's not here, but I promise she'll be here tomorrow. I promise she'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, big, big, big foot. The chipmunk wrote, I had some delicious Honduran coffee once good enough that I drank it black. Uh, I'll tell you what the, the Don Francisco coffee is from a family from Cuba. Um, and so I, and I don't know, I, I think they live in America now, but, um, I don't know what their politics are. I don't know anything like that, but I do know two of my, two of my best friends have been Cuban in my life. Um, one of whom I don't talk to as much anymore, but one, but the brother, they're, they're brothers, but one of whom is still one of my best friends, uh, Jason. And, uh, these guys are staunch conservatives, like hardcore conservatives. Cause when you come over from Cuba, cause their dad came over from Cuba. When you come over from Cuba, you're like to hell with communism, to hell with socialism. So a lot of Cubans are staunch conservatives. I don't know if these Don Francisco people are staunch conservatives, but it's likely, I think it's, it's very, it's very likely. If they're here in America, because um, I don't think that it's imported from Cuba. I think that it's here in America from Cuban immigrants. I have to check on that, though. Uh, what's that coffee they wrote? Uh, Independence wrote. Uh, it's called Don Francisco, uh, and it's Hawaiian hazelnut. Get the Hawaiian hazelnut blend. That's the one I drink. John Butjack writes, my real life name is John, but I go by John Ergo, but I go by Jack. Ergo, John, but Jack. 
Okay. <laughs> Not trying to be dirty. Just a nickname I acquired in high school. John but Jack. Okay, got it. You know, my brother's name is John, and he named his son Jack because uh, he, he, at one point in his life he found out that Jack was a short for John, and uh, he thought that was cool. So he named his kid Jack. In fact, I think the kid's name is John, but they call him Jack, um, which is funny because I, when I was a kid, I wrote my first ever screenplay. I wrote, and it was a futuristic screenplay, which was set in the future. And one of the things about the futuristic world was this sort of advancement in computers and how that was all voice activated, which is now actually true. You can do that with your phone and everything. But at the time, it wasn't. I wrote this in like, I think, 2005, uh, sorry, 2000, uh, 1995 or something like that, back back when like the idea of voice activation was just sort of a dream. Uh, but in, in this script, everything was voice activated, and you would name your interface. So your comp- you didn't have necessarily like a hard drive at home. You had an interface that you could access anywhere, so you could access it on, you know, on, you know, like if you had a pen that was like essentially your phone, you could interface with that. Or if there was like a, you know, an ATM, you could interface with your own computer there. Or at like a restaurant, you know, instead of a menu, you just have your interface and you could talk to your your personal computer, and it just did everything for you. And people named their computers, and my my character's computer was named Jack, and so I I came up with this name Jack as the as a sort of sidekick computer sort of like kit from uh from that uh what was it night rider and uh yeah so jack's sort of been the name of my in my head for, for many many years and then my brother names his kid jack he he never knew about any of that stuff and uh i thought that was kind of funny interesting coincidence okay brett the illustrator writes what did you think of biden's answer to the gun i imagine you mean the gun question answer to the gun Answer to the gun. I assume you meant the gun question. This is a tough one because I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I would love to be able to answer this uh, intelligently, but I don't quite know what you're asking. Sorry, man. Um, Big Bigfoot the Chipmunk writes, makes me think of my dad's joke. I like, I like my women like my coffee, hot and black. I've said I like my... Um, I like my coffee like my men, Irish and full of liquor. <laughs> I love that joke. That's great. Um, Yolanda Krieger says, I'm going to buy some of that coffee. Please do. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, Cord Oliver says he likes his women like I like my coffee, strong and hot. I like my women um, like I like my coffee, uh, weak and subservient. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny to me. That's a really stupid joke. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, yes, the gun question, it wouldn't fit. Okay, the gun question during the conference. What did he say? What what did I I, I read about it, but I don't remember what he said exactly because I didn't watch the whole interview. I didn't watch the whole uh thing, but I read a lot of about a lot of the questions. I don't remember what the question was or what the response was. Um, let's see. I'm <laughs> nice to catch you live. Thank you, Dabster McDabberton. Nice to see you here. Um, nobody's telling me what the gun question was. Let me let me just look it up real quick. That that's why not? Why not? It's easy, right? Biden. Gun uh, 
press conference. Okay, let's see here. Uh, gun reform. After the Boulder thing. Well, okay, I know he's been talking about this Boulder thing and how he's going to try to do this gun reform stuff, but I always think this is pandering. We talked about this yesterday on the show. Uh, President Joe Biden said Tuesday he would do everything in his power to keep Americans safe following the latest blah, 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 blah. Did this come out today? Oh, this is this is from this is from like two days ago. That's not right. Uh, let's see here. All right. I don't know. I can't find it. I can't find what the question was uh, about the gun stuff. He wants to come and get your guns. Yeah. Well, we know that. But the, here's the thing. I don't... Oh, that's right. That's right. He was asking about gun control and he gave an infrastructure question. Get infrastructure answer. Well, I saw a number of these when I was reading the different questions and answers that he got. I, I noticed another non, a number of non sequiturs, right? Like when he was asked about um, if his policies were attracting immigrants to come into the country, he said, we're going to get Kamala Harris to, to head up that, uh, that whole issue. The hell does that have to do with that? That doesn't have anything to do with the question. Uh, he also said that uh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump uh, let kids starve in Mexico, which isn't true. I mean, what an a hole, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, where is the lady, Dabster McDabberton? She is uh, driving home from work, so she didn't she didn't quite make it today. But uh, yeah. No, I'm doing good. Uh, we'll have, uh, you know what, it's it's tough because, so doing these videos, I found it's actually a little bit more difficult to get Mr. Reagan videos out. I have tons of scripts that are half written uh, because I just don't have that much time of the day. I have to, I have to prepare these, this show, I shoot the show, and then I have to, depending on what videos I'm going to be posting on Mr. Reagan. I have to find videos, cut them down, do research on those, you know, clean those up, put them on Mr. Reagan. And those are some, those are just the videos I'm taking from this show. Um, the videos that I do originally from Mr. Reagan, it, they take a lot of time to research and then, and then to produce and to edit. So um, I'm trying to get help. Uh, I'm trying to get more people on board, um, but that, that'll probably happen in the weekend. Uh, so we're kind of ramping up the production. I want to be able to do more videos for Mr. Reagan. And so hopefully we'll have more stuff, but again, I'm not making that much money. So, um, Valeria has written here. I drove to Malibu to pick up Alex. This is her, one of her good friends. Um, he's gay. Don't worry about it. Uh, and he got wrapped up and is, um, and he's, he's screwed out there in Malibu. Uh, it was a mess on, on set. I'll explain to you when I get back. I don't think she meant for me to read that out loud on the show, but that's her situation. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. Valeria will absolutely be back tomorrow, which is great. Um, and we will see you then. Thank you for watching. Another great show. A lot of great news going on. And, uh, you know, obviously, I'm Toxic. Valeria, although she's not here, is masculine. And together we are Toxic Masculinity. Uh, all right. So let's hit the hit the outro and get out of here. See you guys tomorrow. Thanks for watching.